Alright guys, uh, today we have on fellow brother, friend, just everything. soulmate, you know, uh, one of my really good friends, musician, badass musician, uh, met in college, Sean Kelsey. Oh, thank you, Evie. Yep. That's a very nice introduction. Absolutely. I feel the same, actually, uh, the same way about the soulmate piece. Yeah, right? That's been pretty, like, a big part of our friendship. Absolutely. That soul connection. Yeah, when the hearts connect. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We actually met in, uh, we met in college. Quick little recap, little, like, backstory. Met in college, um, in a class, and I was, like, a young dude, fresh, and I saw this guy come into the classroom. And even I know he saw it as full as arms and chest. I did. Arms and chest. I saw it, these yeah. fucking amazing, this body. I was like, damn, man, that has a nice body. Was, and then, that's before you were in good shape, right? <clears throat> Where you were like... Yeah, yeah, I was like, dude, I was... Thick. I had just come from working at In-N-Out. I smelled like burgers. I was wearing like a baggy shirt. It didn't look like anything impressive at all. It wasn't really working out that much. I can't imagine a world where I was physically more i don't know dude i've heard a lot of stories about you but actually. more than uv uh, physically larger than uv like physically more fit and, and built than uv i want um a lot of my motivation to like stay big is it has come lately through things you've said to me about how powerful you feel when you yeah. are built yeah you you said the same thing yeah totally but i kind of forgot it and sometimes you need reminders just of your own kind of so, so that's interesting so when he says that um like because you were like that right mm -hmm. and then i i don't know you too well but what he's told me like you went through different stages of like your body yeah. like you were like thick and then he wanted to kind of lean out mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what what is that for you what is it for me like I why'd mean, you change because i've never really gone Considering I don't hold muscle like you, yeah. So I, you're never gonna hear me go. I'm just going through a mad lean out phase, right? Because right? right. I just turned to a skinny I, I don't bitch. quite hold it either, because so I, I tend a lot to... more than me, man. Because even right now you're working out, but even right. through what you're wearing, you can see it. You can, I can see your arms. Like it looks, you know, you can oh, even wow, see your shoulder curvature and stuff. That's great to know, because I feel like if I'm not working out, if I'm not lifting, I feel like I become immediately skinny. Like Twiggy, but with skinny, skinny is all—it's all perception, right? Yeah. Like yeah. to you, like to someone else, like our roommate Deep, you're not skinny. True. But true. you're skinny because you've seen of where you were before. Body's so interesting. Like here we are discussing like what our bodies look and feel like. Yeah. It really impacts a lot of your life, and like yeah, to your point, uh, Pratesh, about the question of like why, what is it to me? Like I don't know. Like I think there's always been this like interesting connection between the way your body and i think everyone can relate to this because everyone has their own qualms with how they look i, mean, I think everyone and they um, and they have different desires of what they want to look totally like. yeah. yeah everyone shares the human condition which i'm a big fan of um of ex you know, exploring and exploiting and, totally. and, and diving into talking mm -hmm. about making it aware and known and and just uh easy easy to kind of talk about that human condition which is like our weakness right our like weakness with like how we interact think with other people, think about ourselves, um, all those things that like just come with being human, that human condition, right? So I think like for me, like my body, it's been interesting that you grew up watching like Bollywood films, right? And like all of the heroes are- Who was the guy, because yeah. I, I, that's how I got into it. I mean like in high, Salman Khan, in high school, dude. yeah, Salman for sure when you're young, you know, in, in high school for me, I discovered, I, I discovered John Abraham, you know? And, and that was like maybe my senior year of high school slash freshman year of college 
and I just so it was like later on a little bit later on but I think uh, I, you know I was pretty my, my family was pretty fit and whatnot but I don't yeah I don't think uh, I did have this one moment though um, sister's in, a nutritionist yeah uh, yeah was, the health is definitely a, a even your parents family. like your dad and yeah mom they, now they're healthier than ever my whole family is like just like a super like when you, you think about superfoods like my family's a super healthy, super family. I don't know, like just what, uncle's jaw mix. Yeah, jaw. Everything's like grown at home, gardened, picked, then made into a sabji. But like, every just everything's every, organic. Everything is just thought about, thought about really well. I think my family's big on thinking about what it is that that's going into your food, then into your body. We all think about like the substance in your body. I think a lot of people stop thinking about. The food they're eating the second it goes into their mouth or, mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying but yeah. but now we don't we continue thinking about it but um no but back to yeah that kind of body body kind of idea of like you know what your body means to you like yeah i think um it's always just been a part of my identity part of like my persona how did you of, feel when you were like when i first saw you in college when you were just like fucking stacked yeah, that made me feel. It made me feel like I'm. I'm gonna get like into kind of vulnerable, kind of interesting, maybe taboo areas. But it made Please. me feel. It made me feel like I was special. I, you know, <laughs> like I feel to like to yourself. You know, yeah, to yourself. But I mean, yeah. that's all. It should really matter, right? Yeah. Like to yeah. like. I feel like I'm the more special version of myself when I'm built, and so if I'm feeling that way, then I'm gonna project that. Obviously, you know. Um, so, you know, anytime and, you did. and I did back yeah. then and even you still, yeah. till this day when I'm more consistent, when I'm, when I'm working harder at fitness in general, that just automatically comes in my step in the way I walk, in the way I carry myself and the way I stand. Um, and even just down now I've been doing it for so long and it's so connected into everything in my life. Like if I'm not doing it as much, like beyond even like my physical um, you know, presentation of myself, it's in my mind, you know, like, have I been like, have I been doing what I should be doing? If I haven't been, my mind's a bit different, you know, like, totally. it's just, it's, it's so, it's then what caused the change where you stopped doing it? Uh, I do, you know, I think recently it's just kind of, um, I've, I've, I've actually been incredibly consistent over oh, the last okay. like 10, 11 years. I think when my, I've been so consistent and built such a, um, kind of solid, lean, body where if I don't work out my my because all of the all of the mass that pure kind of lean muscle mass mm-hmm. if you're not working out you have all these mitochondria throughout your body that are going to burn calories and totally anyways so totally. when it starts to happen you just kind of shrink you know like True. That, that's my thing so but anyways that's that's just body that's body now yeah you know, the body it's, is like it's uh it's uh, for me that's the biggest thing as well like if I don't if I'm not, if I don't look a certain way, it and it, it projects in every aspect of my life. Yeah. Where you carry yourself, the way I speak to someone. Because when you have like some, I don't know, some thickness, of course you're going to speak differently because your gestures are like magnified. Right. Because if you move an arm and you have a fucking nice full arm, yeah. then someone's going to like look at your arm as it moves past and like right. feel these energies. Yeah. It's interesting. I could talk about like, your body and your body to like how you see yourself to this strict kind of process 
you put yourself through in terms of nutrition. I could talk about that all day because right. that, yeah, because I mean, even like you know, in terms of nutrition in general, like um, I'm like I'm having you know, I had some scotch, yeah, you know, and um, but I'm allowing myself to have the scotch. Like I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like I'm allowing this. You like, enjoy it totally. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. Do like, you not drink much? No, not often. Not often. I don't. But even even in terms of like food, right? Like if um. I, I, I tell myself Monday through Friday, you know, like I'm extremely 100% strict on my intake. Like I don't, I don't fuck around with like any chocolates. No, like if someone brings donuts, I won't even be like, oh, I'll have a quarter of a donut. Yeah, just to taste, Just to taste. Yeah. Cause like that's a failure to me because Agreed. I'm doing something that was other than my plan for the week. Right. So like my plan for the week usually is on the weekends to let up for a couple of meals and really enjoy what I like to eat. But, um. But even if like, you know, I know that I know that having a burger during the week with my kind of overall health strategy is not gonna fuck me at all. Right. You know, or even a slice of pizza or even a donut, whatever, like here and there, it's really not gonna make a difference. But it's that like mental strictness that I know if I deviate mentally, then then I, I it'll eat me. It'll eat me for that day. It'll eat me until enough time passes exactly. until I've kind of forgotten about it. Because I'll know, like, I let myself down. Yeah. So it's a very mental thing, too, for, for me. For me, too. Yeah, and I know you've always, you be connected to that. Hell yeah. It's Hell a promise yeah. to yourself. It's that's why, like, so much of bodybuilding, so much of health, so much of nutrition translates um, to the people who are really into it, uh, translate to all the other aspects in their lives. Because if they can keep that mental strictness to abide by what they are trying to abide by in terms of health and and like uh and and fitness right then you easily translate that to every other part of your life 100 percent, 100 percent. you're strict here it doesn't matter like if there's a few m&ms that look really good i'm just not gonna have <laughs> i'm not gonna have one whatever you know like exactly like what what the fuck is one m like but that decision not to have one empowers me to just do everything else that day. exactly like i was Same here. i feel like i'm in control that way exactly you know exactly so you feel like that's your sense of control absolutely totally it is and it is it's like the purest form mm-hmm. no one else can make you that's all exactly up to you. exactly and all it's not you. like like i said it's not even about the actual nutrition of them and them it's the fact that i'm saying no to it because i don't want it right now right you know even if someone's like just have it try it you know if food is your vice, it's it's like being surrounded by a bunch of enabling like like fucking drug addicts. Yeah. Like, come on, just have a bite. Have one M M&M, and M, man. Right. Come on, I fuck know. it. You've been good. Have you're like, oh. The funny thing though is that like everyone in the office thinks that I never eat junk food. Just like, I know. I never would. Like, oh my god, like God forbid Sean ever touch anything that has fat. It's it's always it's always funny. It's always the people that uh don't aren't strict they always are the ones to tell you like it's okay mm. it's always funny to me i'm like it's not like when i go home I'm like they're like oh you went to the gym you can eat. i'm like no i can't yeah <laughs> there's a re- it takes work yeah exactly it's just mad work all um, right so how long when did you start messing around with music because you've been like a musician since and you played dole yeah. such a badass dole player thank i could you, listen man. to you play like all day thank you man i, I love it Thank you. I think I started when I was music in general. Uh, I don't know the exact. I say three, three or four, like super young. I think maybe maybe four. I say I might say three for dramatic effect when people ask, but like it might, <laughs> it might actually be like five. 
Okay. Yeah. Like, it was actually like 10. No, no it no, was no. definitely really young though for me. It was, for me, it was actually, I went to a Gurdwara, um, it was called IGS, IIGS actually. And they did, um, it was, they, they would do Girtan in the format of like a, a large jatha, which is like a large group. Uh, you know, they would, they would have um, a tabla player, a couple of vaja players, and then, um, and then, you know, another like six, seven people behind them just singing with like uh, jimte and things like that, right? right. Um, like a tambourine. The instruments. instruments. Yeah, different instruments. It was just like what you normally get at Gurdwara's Sikh temples um, are three people, the standard for every Sikh temple service, there's there's a standard of three priests, gyanis, depending who's listening, um, who <laughs> play music, right? Like yeah. three people, and it's it's usually pretty standard. Sometimes you get lucky, and, and you run into you know really musically, melodically inclined gyanis that are doing some really nice stuff, and you feel and that, you're, yeah, you, you feel, yeah, okay. you feel the kirtan even more, you know, and whatnot. Absolutely. And then other times, you know, it's a little bit more standard. But IGS, they were extremely musical. And I, I think I just got lucky. And I don't know if it was, you know, I don't know how music works. I don't know if you're born with it. I think, I, I don't know, you know, like, I think for me, I just got so lucky to be in an environment around such rich music when I was that young. And then on top of that, there was a tabla p- player. Um, his name's Ranjit. Uh, Ranjit. Sing, I don't know, Ranjit Virji. We used to call him Ranjit Virji, right? Right. Uh, you know, Ranjit Virji, and uh, he played the tabla, man. Like I've never seen any gyani play the tabla. Like he would perform. He would literally perform at the gurdwara. That's how he would play. He would perform. He'd do these kind of really animated gestures with his hands when he'd play tabla, and he was really creative with this tabla. And in, in like conjunction with the whole jatha that was doing the kirtan, it was so mesmerizing. Um, a lot of times it would have other kirtan happen before they would go on and I'd sleep through it and ask my mom to wake me up when they'd go on. And then like, <laughs> I, and she would sit up front and I would sit in her lap. When they'd and when they'd on. start, I would like mimic the hell out of Ranjit Virji on my knees, right? And so like, I, I became kind of known at this Gurdwara for like being the kid that was like super young. It touched a part of you, yeah. Totally, playing on my knees, and then Ranjit, you know, and my family would go often, they all knew my family, my sisters were older than me, um, and they knew a lot of the, you know, the people in the Jatta, the whole kind of crew, and and um, and I was, you know, their young young little kid brother who yeah. was super young, and... and what, then, like, your, your sisters are six years? Seven and nine years older than seven me. Seven and nine yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, and they, they played a large part in like my whole, just building of myself as as a musical entity, as an artist, as just anyone that was remotely known for fucking anything. It was because they would bring me around a lot, and and it all started at IGS. And Ranjit used to see me play on my knees and whatnot. And then it got to a point where even like he started like calling me onto stage, where I just like kind of sit next to him, and, and just play on my knees next to him. So like I just got literally that was the birth of my like music, my musicianship my like creatively inclined self my perform performatively inclined self like really just I, i'm thinking about at it now it's pretty amazing that all of the same values that i put into like what makes an amazing performer what made mitch hire one of the best dole players in the world i think and i think most people would agree what makes him amazing as a performer what makes any band amazing as a performer 
any performer amazing at what they do, what makes any track this day melodically rich and, and moving all started like literally like four years old at IGS. Like those, I was like recognizing it there. Performance. So shipping. vividly, all of these things. Like I remember feeling that that young, like four or five years old. And, and then it being recognized from the people that were doing it, you know, like, yo, this kid is like feeling us and <laughs> yeah. they come up on stage and just feel it with us. And so that was, it started that young for me, man. And then, and, and I never learned tabla. Like no one ever taught me tabla. I, I learned a few thals when I was, I, uh, I think seventh or eighth grade. Uh-huh. But I mean, from like preschool all the way up to eighth grade, I was playing, I was I was carrying tons of shabads and and different music at at Gurdwara and different events on tabla. Just have just have having like you know having it sparked in me at that young age and me being able to follow. So I never learned it. It was all kind of by hearing and just by feeling it. And I became really good, you know, that way. I was really good at tabla when I was a kid, especially for never learning a lick. You know, like That's tabla like- is this fucking classical ass instrument. So it's kind of crazy that I just picked it up. That know, is like, no, that's 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 like you were just had yeah. a natural inclination to, yeah, you know, just picking it up. Yeah, yeah, man. Then just playing, you know, with Kirtan and the Gurdwara for several years and years and years until like you know I started getting really into like I was always into Bangra and whatnot too. But once I got into Bangra, you know, you can't quite perform. Well, like, you know, then it's like, then you have the stage, you know, then you can do, you know, you can start making mixes. And I started, you know, cutting mixes and, and started thinking about like, you know, at the Gurdwara, they were, they were already making Bangura teams, you know, that were put, put on by the Gurdwara organization. And like, how, how did you get the technical skills to start like cutting music and remixing? What, oh, what oh yeah. So that goes back to like. You know, tape deck mixing. You know, literally, my sisters both had. They had a one stereo with a tape A, tape B, and I would literally have like DJ parties in their room, like by myself, <laughs> with like a flashlight and like other lights going. And I just mix between tape one and tape two. Literally, like that's what I was doing. Was that like in middle school? Were you doing that? That was that was like elementary school, dude. Damn, elementary you're school. doing things so young. Yeah, elementary school. I was mixing between like tape deck A, tape deck B, and like when like my family had people over, like my cousins would be over my age, and I'd get them all all, all in it. You know, I'd be like, "Are right, we gonna turn the lights down? You're gonna control this <laughs> flashlight. You can control that light, and I'm gonna like mix, you know, these tracks." And we would do shit like that. And I was like in elementary school doing stuff like that, and then it was in middle school where the the Gurdwara started putting on this Bhangra program and I became a part of it and um and very quickly I was like well even before that I was just kind of performing at like family parties like a lot of kids do you know um but uh we're always entertainment bro yeah no doubt no (laughs) doubt and then were you playing dole at that time no not yet so this started in middle school with the whole Bhangra stuff right um with the Gurdwara so there was this amazing auntie. Her name was Pinky Auntie, and, and then I'm just going down. Classic. Like, Pinky by the, auntie. By the way, this is just that's so, was that her pet name? That was I don't know. That's, that was like that was the became her name. Though. Yeah, she was she was amazing, man. She's a legend because like she really you know when you're a kid you're a little you're a little asshole and you think you're cool and you think <laughs> the aunties are annoying. But honestly, like I had respect for her at that time too. But um, I hope she really knows how much respect I really do have for her now because she really converted a lot of kids into like. 
you know, what sorts of like college careers they had on like these big Bangladesh teams, you know, like including myself, like I was on her team for a bit. I think like one day she didn't show up to practice, not she didn't show up, she couldn't make it or something. And literally that was the practice that changed everything because I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna choreograph the rest of the dance. I straight straight choreographed the rest of the dance um, with the whole team and and, and she came back the next practice. I was like, yeah, I just kind of finished it. And she was like, oh. Right, and then this whole thing started because then we performed. We ended up performing at the first Broom Bangra ever that year, '99. Wow, fucking yeah. a, yeah, dude. My, That's long. Yeah, bro. yeah, '99 first Broom Bangra. We performed as an exhibition. And team, you're like 13. Middle school, middle school team. Yeah, where this is our first performance ever. Like, whoa, this is a big deal. And I had I had like choreographed half the dance and and. um of course, like, I'm, like, it's going in my head already because, like, in the actual official video of it, uh, there's a subtitle that's, like, choreographed by, you know, Binky Singh. And I'm, like, <laughs> fuck that. No, it wasn't. It was half choreographed by Binky Singh and half choreographed by me, right? But but that's the thing. I was a little asshole kid, but really, she was amazing and, ama- you know, she did so much for us and it's, and I have endless gratitude for her. It's so funny how our culture is, it's, dancing is such a big part of your growth. Huge. Like as soon as you can like start dancing, that they, they want to put you in the dancing. It's like it's like driving. It is <laughs> for real. It 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 and it reads out the shitty ones. It does because everyone's does. done it. You you can like you, you look knew around, you're like you're, sucked. You're not creative at all. Dude, yeah. that's, you're gonna be a banker. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna be a banker. And then, but <laughs> yeah, out of that man, like I started my own team. I was like, you know what? Like I was all rebellious, and it was actually like at the time I didn't quite like I was just trying to do what was like yo. I, we can just be our own team. We don't need an auntie to oversee all this. You know, we don't need any of that. We can just, I can oversee all of it. You know, I can choreograph all this shit. My cousin, Marita, you know, um, she, she was my partner and, and she, she choreographed a lot of the girls stuff and I was choreographing the guys and the girls with her. And I was, that's when I started mixing, like actual doing, you know, doing like dance cuts. And, um, and then from there it was like, that was it. That was, that was the Bangra, you know, at middle school, making the mix choreographing, performing. I was playing some dole as well. That was just like, I was just like, I felt amazing. I felt like, you know, and I was leading this shit and, and it felt pretty dope, man. I was finding the shows to perform at too. Like, I look back at it and I'm like, that's a lot for like the fucking eighth grade. No, that's, <laughs> that's a lot to take on, but like, how long did it take you to get good or for at least for you to feel good enough to perform, to make mixes and, and, create all that music and then as well as like play the dole at that level yeah man i i felt like i was you know i was i don't want to sound like conceited at all but i felt i always felt like and i still have this feeling i will now i'm this whole other like phase of creativeness you know artistship where it's like your midlife crisis type of thing where, <laughs> where it's like am i good <laughs> totally yeah, yeah am i good and yeah. like and now i for the first time in my life this is actually I'd like to say this before I say that other shit because you asked me like when did I start feeling good I was like right away man I felt like I was a shit right away at everything which is kind of how I did feel when I was young um which is in a, in a huge contrast to how I feel these days 
which is like but it's nice when you have that unjaded confidence in your truth there's totally. nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that that's yeah. kind of like what we kind of sense is like beginner's luck sure like when i started i started i was booking everything immediately yeah but also it was one because yeah loves but a lot of it's because i didn't i wasn't jaded at all yeah nothing i right. could be my complete self without thinking about what does this mean where am i going da, da, da. totally you just run with it you just you have fun you're anything. literally you're having, having fun. fun yeah totally and you're always the best when you're having fun yeah absolutely it's a place of joy that's so important to just have a lot of fun and, and not I think the older you get, the more you think about anything, no matter what you do, you know, social situations at work or whatever, you just think, you know, an extra, you think about an extra three, four, five, six layers and you would never think about when, you know, True. when you were much younger and those layers. It's like, your... it's like, you know, when they talk about your high school sweetheart, Yeah. we all had forms of someone that would crush. You weren't thinking about like, I wonder if she'd be a good mother to my children. You no, know, like shit yeah. we would think about now when you date, right? Yeah. It was so innocent. You're like, I just like her. Right. When asked, someone asked you why, didn't that wasn't really a thing. I like her. Mm -hmm. You weren't mm -hmm. looking at all the other variables to validate whether it's okay or yeah, not. Yeah, and you're not worried about it being perfect. You're just yeah. having fun and you're, you're trying to be good. But it was, but there was so much perfect. purity to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now you're like, I don't like her job. I don't like what she does. You know, like, you know, and you've become like, like an overly critic. of yeah. you, you become an over um, kind of criticizer of, of, of art in general, I think, when you've been doing it for so long. Like you start like looking at things. I'm not a hater in general. I, I like to be very open-minded and not hate on art because I hate when fucking people hate, hate, just hate on art all day long because I hate that. But but still. Like rappers, like, oh, this guy sucks. Yeah, or, or just, you know, this is trash. That's whack. I know I move and I like to just be like, yo, they're, they're at least, they, they finished something. That's more than I've done for a little while you know like, right but but back in those young days though you'd be like you asked man like i felt like I, i'd been playing tabla from like you know pre-kindergarten to eighth grade that's like nine years dude like of just tabla so when i picked up the doll shit was a cinch for me because was, <laughs> it really was right, i started right. just playing doll on a box in my garage i was like i can play this it's look listen right like i was telling my dad i was like listen to me play on this box it sounds good. Like, it, I'm playing the dole, you know? And, and then my grandfather brought me a dole from India, and, and then I played that forever. And Did your dad say, like, oh, it sounds good? Or were yeah, you they were like, yeah, you're you're good. You should have a dole. You, you know? had that rhythm in you. Totally, yeah. And, and it's such a more complicated instrument, the tabla, than the dole is. So, uh, and the tabla really is the base of all my musical inclination. Um, the, clip, you, the clip of you guys, you playing on the chair, that metal chair recently. Yeah, yeah. That was so sick. It was just fucking on a chair. Right. And you could just hear the crisp. I wonder if you can pick this up. Yeah, you could hear that. It's like anywhere, you know, totally. beats Your just, nails. They just, they just fly out of me because I've been, that's double, you know, from like a young age. So. Do you still play the double at all? I don't as much as I'd like to, but, 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 you know, I started playing it recently again at home and it feels amazing. I had this moment actually of clarity a couple of weeks ago when I was playing and my nephews, I, 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 I like to take it out. Like, you know, my, my nephews are kind of into it, my niece too a bit. And, um, but I, I got, I focused in and I was like, I need to. I need to like check to see if I can still play well. And my tabla aren't like super tuned anymore because I play more dole now and I keep that guy in better shape than I do my tablas. But so I'm like, I don't know, like is my tabla off or am I off? And I was really just playing and I was playing, playing, playing. And I played to the point where something started sounding pretty damn good. And it felt so reassuring for me because like I was saying earlier, like in these days, I don't feel like you know that same sense of like ease and confidence like i did when i was young you know because like obviously i work you know a, a job at a studio doing marketing which is 
you know, nine hours a day of not being on drums and not making music and a lot of, you know, counter musically creative. It's still work. a creative environment. It's a but creative just environment, different. but like you know, I'm not practicing. still corporate creative. Yeah, absolutely. Which you know? is very limiting in its totally. Way, yeah. So if you're not if you're not practicing, if you're not like engaging yourself, I think it's 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 easy to lose your, some of your skills. And that's what I was getting really scared of recently, like like not being good at double anymore, and not being good at dole anymore, and even not being good at making music anymore, and like not being good at fucking anything I used to be amazing at. Like this year, slash last year, well, it was a, like a fear for me. Do you think that working in like a studio environment has kind of uh, tightened you up and affected your musical tightened sensibilities? You up in which way? Tightened you up is in the sense that, like, I feel this with my sister. Right. She's worked so fucking long in in a corporate environment and in accounting that it's tightened her up and and kind of she's lost a bit of her loose kid mm. free that, that mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you know like play a little bit just innocence mm-hmm. just that sense I guess of innocence but also imagination freedom. a little bit yeah well luckily I fucking work at Disney so there's definitely encouraged magic in the air you know people and it's it, I feel like I'm in an environment where I can be myself you know like where if I was you know if I the more of myself I brought to the table it wouldn't be looked down upon you know, like my creative self. Like totally. I've been able to bring my totally. music into my job a little bit here and there, you know. And like, I think people really value a sense of like uh, POV, a sense of like. Um, which was super sick. Maturity. You did the, some of the promotional music for the Star Wars movie. Which Star Wars Rogue, was it? Rogue One. Yeah, that yeah, was badass at the at the unique low. Yeah. Now, when you when you do that from a business aspect, mm-hmm. is that still run through Disney, or do you get paid separately as a freelancer for that? I don't because uh, you know I'd like to. The more music I do at Disney, I'd like to start changing the structure. But immediately that that, that was the first project I did at uh, okay. was Rogue One, and technically, since I'm an employee of the company, anything as you, you do know, is you they do is theirs. You know, my dad had that problem because my dad, this is super Indian, but he worked at Intel, obviously. Uh-huh. But, you know, dad's a smart guy, really hardworking and a lot of stuff, but the patents, that he had like six patents that went to Intel. Oh my God. They were his. Fuck. But any, anything you create or is owned by the corporation because you're their paid employee. Totally. So you could think of the most genius idea. Right. I'm not saying he thought of the most genius stuff, but he had some unique ideas that were patent worthy, yeah, right? Yeah. And he tells me all the time, he's like, they're at fucking Intel. I don't yeah, even work there anymore. That's crazy, man. You know, is that nuts? It's totally nuts. So it, in a way, I mean, it's the way the corporate structure works, but it's yeah. exploitation. It is. I'm not oh, trying to get absolute into Absolute fucking exploitation. It's exploitation. But, well, I'm saying one aspect of it is like they pay you in the hopes that will happen. So the way they look at it from their perspective, we paid you all this time. Right. We deserve this. We're out. We're paying right. for health benefits. We're paying for all your shit. So I get it from the business aspect. But from that, I was just curious. Because oh, I know yeah. the music industry is in. It's acting super hard, bro. Right. The music industry is so less formal, like put together than acting. Like we have breakdowns, we have agents. There's some structure, even right. though it's not much when it comes to a career. Yeah. There's some. Right. You guys have zero. Yeah, music can be um, pretty chaotic. How did you navigate sure. to like getting to work with like Snoop and stuff? Where did all that shit? Oh, that happened early on. Yeah, college. I was. That was. During college, I was really pursuing to become a full-time music producer. Like I wanted to, you know, yeah. be able to produce. I don't. I didn't. I didn't care. Staff production, you know, whatever. Selling beats. Like I feel like 
that was definitely around 2006 to 2008, maybe 2004 even, 2005-ish. I said 2005-2009, which was during college, literally my college years. But those, just to contextualize anybody thinking about like what years of music were they? It was right, those right, years, right, right? Like, um, I felt like it, like hip hop had not become saturated yet. It still was like beginning to shift towards a different sound. Like, um, I think those were those those years were either pre future sex love sounds or approaching future sex love sounds. And I use that like as an indication in music and pop music in general because that, that is that, that album in general, that album, Nelly Furtado's uh Everything um, with Timbaland at the time. It was literally Timbaland Tim, Ryan. It was, that it was shit. Timbaland, Justin Timberlake. Danger, Nelly. Danger, my other idol in terms of music production, um, and then a mixer, in, uh, sound engineer. Her name was Marcella Arika. That crew changed the way pop music sounded. Like they, they, they did through future, Lex, uh, future sex love sounds through um, Nelly Furtado's album. Um, what was that track called? Promiscuous Girl with Timbaland. Per- with Timbaland, and, and but there was Marcella and Danger, who were the unsung heroes of all of those tracks because yeah, they were. They were equal producers. Uh, uh, was it Danger and Timbaland shared equal production on all of these? You know, he had he had no more. He was just he just had more FaceTime. You know, but if you look at the credits to Promiscuous Girl, Give It to Me, Sexy Back, My Love, Madonna's album, they all share equal 50-50, except wow. for like Justin. When the Justin is 30, 30, 30, or 30, 30, 33, right? So they, they had like a one third across um, the production credit. But yeah, it was around that time. I forgot what was the question. Um, well, how did you get involved with Snoop? Oh, yeah. So that was, that was a time where shit was changing. And I was, to be honest with you, I was really chasing the sound that Timbaland, Danger, and these guys were doing, right? I was chasing the hell out of that sound. And I, and I thought, I, be, I believed you know, that I got kind of close to an interesting sound like they were having. I mean, like, I'm a percussionist, obviously, so I was able to kind of get to a level where it was, like, interesting in a similar way where, like, Timbaland beats were interesting. They weren't just, like, kick, snare, hi-hat. They were, like, kick and, like, some interesting sample that was looped, you know, underneath, you know, some hi-hats on top of, like, really crispy snares and I just had like the sensibility to like what was really interesting sonically to get you moving and like the doubleantol you know for the last fifteen years to really be interesting in that way too. So I was chasing like percussion. Yeah, percussion wise, I was really chasing those grooves and those beats, and people were taking note around me, right? So I was like, and then like melodically, I've always been inclined melodically as well, and that's what Danger was doing to those beats. So I was trying to do what they were doing literally, and um, then I linked up with actually one of my boys. Um, my boy's um, brother-in-law, I guess at the time, my boy Brian James, he was a DJ at the time, um, doing a bunch of parties, and um, his sister uh, was engaged. I think they were engaged, or or you know, at the time, engaged or married to a guy named Bobby Moon, and Bobby Moon was an Indian artist doing music with like Jay Sean and Juggy D and Raghav and all these guys, right? Um, he Bobby Moon was an amazing artist. He's based out of Texas, and I heard his vocals. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. We did like, you know, Brian connected us, and there's just like the type of creatives that are really tough to work with, that are like tough to find time with, and then there's the other type of creative that's like, 
send me something you send it to them and they do something with it in a day and they send you it back and it's like oh fuck we made some progress something's being created in like two days and it's like and then you might you know fight an uphill battle with another creative to do the same amount of work in like six months sometimes you know like but bobby moon was the type of guy that was like send me a beat i think like brian had something that i might have sent brian and brian showed bobby and bobby just recorded shit on it and they sent it to me i was like oh my god yeah this is amazing you know someone's doing stuff with my music and bobby was shopping around a bunch of labels he was showing my music like akon i remember he he called me once and was like yo akon just heard one of your tracks and loved it and so he was just giving me he was he was shopping the whole label scene to find someone that would um you know pretty much build an album and release it with him because around that time too it was pre-jay shang going to um, cash money cash money so yeah. it was there was a lot right. of interest in just like indian and hip-hop like what's this is something there's something here right it was the rise of us totally how musically. much how much has like punjabi music influenced your sound not a whole lot actually which is interesting okay, okay. at least not like um obviously because my 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 yeah my sound as much as i try to put like dolan i i hardly ever do tracks with like double or dolan in them you know which is really interesting to me i think it's just i've always boiled it down to it just being hard for me like it has always been tough for me to like fit that sort of percussion into the style of production i like which tends to be kind of atmospheric texture interesting progressive electro kind of hip-hop realm and then it's like how do i fit in double and dolan there when i've a lot of the times i produce a lot in the box you know in the box meaning like um just in the computer you know like i do a lot of work in the computer or like on a synth and i'll put two drums and like some cool melodics a nice bass line that sounds really cool interesting and moving and then it's like i've done a lot of that work already where it's like in order to do dole and double you got to record and get it all in and another layer i've never really fucked with too much but did it give you an at an early age a sense of what music sounds like and beats and rhythms yeah yeah you know i think maybe the influence is like deep into the music i think That's maybe it's maybe it sounds that go together i wonder if like uv when you hear my music i wonder if you feel like you know i'd say this Here's where Indian music has, I think, most influenced my music. It's the yeah. melody. Absolutely. The melody. That's what I'm... It's yeah. the king yeah. of that. Yeah. What was that? I feel like India's the king of that. Yeah, totally. They're amazing. Oh, my... Like you hear a song and just melodically makes you want to cry, you know, just like... And I think that's what I always loved growing up to listen to was music that was just melodically rich like totally like sad indian music is <laughs> oh my god but there I, are, uh, like the music in india is incredible yeah so much depth so much depth so much so much richness and richness to it it's beautiful yeah. i feel like we've always handled it when totally. it music, bollywood tracks tracks yeah. right. oh, even if you yeah. go back like uh alka yagnik and like uh-huh. uh lata mangeskar and lata, stuff yeah like their alka. voices in, in the some of the tracks like when you're a kid you're kind of like that's the old people stuff you know mm-hmm. but as i got older you start listening to their songs like damn this is beautiful it's music. amazing yeah beautiful music so i think that's 100 in my music you'll definitely i think always hear a little bit of melody that's you know alluding to some like interesting kind of heart hitting stuff yeah heart hitting not hard hitting hard hitting too hard hitting in terms of like hitting hard like hitting your heart hard you know hitting your soul kind of hard yeah. you know nothing that's like too easy to listen to i always like to throw in a little bit of like interesting melodic like just 
you know, yeah, like, oh, I'm going to go there. Like, I'm going to hit that note. That might be sad for, like, two seconds before the beat drops. You You're know? literally, like, orchestrating, uh, like, an emotional... Right. So, like, a full emotional spectrum. Totally. And that, I think that's what you tend to hear in my music a lot. A lot of different elements. A lot of, like... I do. You hear, like, a hard beat. But then, like... And that's what Bobby used to love about my music. Bobby... I'll never forget what he said once. He was like, your your beats are... Your, your music is dope because your beats are hard... And then out of nowhere, you'll flip into this, like some melodic shit. Exactly. You know, and he, I love he, that. He yeah. said that that he loved that because he was an R and B guy, and he loved the hard beats, and then he loved the melody that I would just kind of throw in and then go in and out of. And so I guess yeah, to answer your question, that it, it's it's not the most direct Indian correlation, but like that's where that comes from. There's always right. some. So this was in college. Mm-hmm. The Bobby Moon stuff, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then, what happened directly right when he graduated? Mm, what happened there? Yeah, so when I graduated, that's that's when kind of I stopped. So before I graduated and when I was doing Bobby Moon stuff, Bobby Moon actually, unfortunately, so sadly, I love him so much and I love his talent and his music and his and his voice. But he, um, as much as he did all of his, you know, chart topping music videos with Sundri and in, in India and 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 different things out here, he actually recorded a track with Akon that unfortunately never got a release. And I heard it; it was dope, and it was on YouTube. It like leaked. He think the label. He thought the label might have leaked it, but and all of that, he never quite. He never. Unfortunately, I'm so sad about it. He never actually put an album together in the states with the label and released it. But I still had some connects, so I through that process of him shopping our music to a lot of labels. So the Dogtown question you asked, UV. That's why I got hooked up with Dogtown because they were interested with in, in Bobby Moon. And then, you know, and it's like, you know, who's doing your music? You know, Sean was doing like, you know, 40% of his, the tracks that he was shopping. And so um, I linked up with some of the people and he was happy to, you know, have me stay in touch with some of the people, Dogtown, Long Beach. And um, I looked, that was one of my biggest regrets because I didn't continue doing that. I, I was like staff producing for Dogtown for about a year maybe what what kept you from i fucked up man i was like not focused i got i got you know in trouble with like some shit you know like i i was i i got it you know i was just my priorities were fucked a little bit and and uh, you know like i got into some shit like or that that you know that didn't allow me to um you know be as mobile as I wanted to. <laughs> I got a fucking DUI. There you yeah. go. Okay. Yeah, I was, just, I was, I was about like, to like, follow I was going to say that. Or was exactly. like, yeah. Cheers to that. <laughs> Cheers to that. Let me take a sip of this guy. Were you, were you, so were you drinking a lot at the time? Or was it just one of those one-off situations? Dude, I was out? drinking a lot. I feel like my character, I, like, I'm coming off as such like this like, this like, self-absorbed <laughs> fucking drug like not really. consuming you just, artist you just speaking your truth <laughs> I guess so I just you know like I feel comfortable around you guys because you guys are fellow artists that yeah. get that all the shit I'm saying is not con- it's not you know I think it's not conceited no but like when you're talking about or like this around people that aren't artists they, they would be like well, you're fucking full of yourself can you stop talking about yourself that's you, because you. the idea of the dream is stupid Right. Because that self, their their idea is so distant from it. Their life is so distant from what they want. That's that's something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know about I don't know about that. You know, like I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it's that. I mean, there's certainly you know, 
there's there's truths. I mean, there's a million reasons, right? Like why people will like. Feel I think that it's way. just not nat- just being an artist is so it is self absorbed. It's it all is. about you and what you're trying to say or express. It's, totally, it's by nature, it's fucking self absorbed. So like that's I, I guess like I'm just not used to talking about it as much on the day to day, you know. But like. So does it make you feel you make it, it makes you feel me, weird? It makes me feel yeah. It's it's a little different for me to talk about it, but I love doing it because it makes me feel at home. It makes me feel like right. me. I it know. makes me feel like you know I am a fucking artist. Like I grew well, up. Well, to me, you have not sound self absorbed. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, yeah, for sure. You're just man. talking. You're one of the first people, by the way, to clarify that. I guess that's why I connected with you. That you just oozed artistry. Oh, I did? When I first met you and I talked to you, I was like, fuck, this guy's really artistic from the exterior to the interior. That's amazing, man. You know? I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that. I want to... Well, do you feel like your uh, your job has is doing that for not, you? Not quite. No, not anymore. So that's a good Not situation. anymore. Okay. Fin- finally, you know, I found a an amazing company that um, is not just about, you know, filling positions that maximize efficiency you know like there is a lot of companies out there like you know the netflixes of the world right now that offer a lot of cash and you know and and you but you gotta fuck either i don't i I don't know how much they value their employees to be just them the best them they could be and 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 maybe shifting them around the company and finding a great place for them to thrive as as an individual and as a professional i don't know how much a company like netflix does do shit like that you know i think my perception of a company like netflix is that they they lure you in with you know a lot of cash. a lot of cash and then they go fucking deliver like you've never delivered before but mm. everything needs to be for Netflix yeah you know that's rough they'll pay a, they'll pay a good penny but everything's for them like yeah. anything else it's just that they're such a powerful corporate right, right even with artists like if you sell them a movie they buy the movie and they own it forever it's like right. till the end of the universe right like, it's that type of contract yeah absolutely so they could take your picture deal and. They could pay five hundred grand and then go open it up in twelve hundred screens in China and make a hundred million dollars. You want to? That dot. Yeah, being at Disney though, I'm gonna be a little bit of a, a little bit of a you know, magic promoter. Right? And no, it's they're cool, man. Because at Disney, it's nice. You were excited when you got that position. You were like, "Damn, this is a company I connect with. I've always loved her." style and you were always yeah. a big like huge fan of disneyland i was and disney in general growing up in orange county you know like just minutes from anaheim like it's like it's definitely you know it was in my blood always and then like just the brands that are there and it's it's def- it really is an environment where where um you don't feel indebted to like need to perform you just want to because i think that people value you being there in the first place mm. it's not it's not i mean like yeah, Disney's not. I don't think it's known to lure people in with fat paydays. It's not like it's more one of those companies. I mean, you, you would know. Yeah, it's it's work. not. It's certainly not. It's not like they don't throw money at you like Netflix does, and it's it's very known that they don't. But they, I think, do invest in you as kind of a person and in the long term and into their company and 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 you as an individual. So that's been nice, man. I've been able to kind of like find a niche there, a team there, doing what I've always loved to do, which is you know marketing because in conjunction to all of the art i've done there's always been a component of marketing huge and treating the marketing like art you know right and there's some marketing executives out there that are strong passionate believers in separating the art from marketing but then 
then I feel like you can fall short. And there's so much excitement in a in an amazing billboard that's just like, fuck, what is that? Damn, that looks amazing. And if like a billboard can make you feel and say those things, is that not art? You know? Very like, true. That's what I love about art. It's just making someone feel a certain way and feel excited, you know? That's the business part of show that always kills everybody. Yeah. It's like when you have investors read a script and they tell you how to change a scene. It's like, you don't know shit about storytelling. Sure, yeah, definitely. What are you talking about? And then, totally. And then, like, to that same point, it's like you might have, uh, you know, really uh, analytical, um, you know, researcher that's coming in and saying, yeah, that might make a few people feel amazing and might make you feel very excited, but... Um, Actually, if you look at it, uh, the majority of uh, audiences based on this piece of research would prefer that. Yeah. Right. You but you, you've always had like a strong sense of obviously marketing, but also like direction. Yeah. Like you're like, okay, I'm making this music. I want to direct it like this. I want to package it. You have like a really yeah, yeah, yeah. strong sensibility in the moment as you're fucking doing it. Right. Not even like, you don't even like post uh it's not like post this i'll no do, then think like, about in it the moment on. yeah yeah you yeah. have the whole vision of everything. the whole vision all at yeah. once usually is what comes to me and that i think honestly it comes down to like those early days of like being five and then just seeing all at once and then it's like growing up from like five to like middle school where it was like i got a team let's name the team let's make the mix let's go out there and perform it's just like this totality of it mm-hmm. you know and the cost of junction days you know i totally skipped over that that was my entire high school into college you know like i know right <laughs> you're, like, you're like um yeah the indian culture hasn't really influenced me on my music. Cost of junction days, man. <laughs> i mean the bangada team the best bangada team in the history of bangada teams man like i know and it truly like i missed all the that phase in college the hoopla of it yeah <laughs> i was at the very end of that but i would go on youtube all of them i'm like fuck i, man. I don't know anything about this no yeah i mean in the bangra it was in scene, your time it was like huge in the bangra scene no, it says my time like in, no in your <laughs> three years the three yeah, yeah. years my sister's the same age as you yeah. and she was obsessed as because it was a fucking you time. know what's crazy though but i went to the college where it wasn't like if I went to UC Irvine or UCSD, yeah. UCLA, yeah. it was all there. Right. So I was into other schools. I joined this. It. I joined this collegiate team at like when I was a sophomore in in, in high school playing dole. I was playing dole for them, and and I think just all of that being so early on, just and it was never like I played this one thing, you know, my whole life. It was like I danced, I made mixes, I made music, I played music, I. I choreographed it and it was, it was so much so many different things maybe that's what enables me to like hop onto a project and be like these are all the things we'll do to make it dope instead of like I'll do this thing you know like and you do that are you are you working on a record or or anything like that right now yeah yeah I'm working on um I am uh, one record <laughs> <laughs> you like that <laughs> it was like so are you currently working on anything? I know. <laughs> because I know you are, so I want you to talk about Right, right, yeah. No, I'm working on um, I'm working on a track. It's a remix. Um, it, it feels it feels very original to me, although I am pulling from the, the source material. It's with um, a guy named Serge RDB. His name is Serge. He comes from RDB. RDB, if you're familiar with RDB, they're, they're a legendary yeah. trio of music party to their songs a lot in college totally man they're legend man and it's it's kind of crazy you know i i grew up literally in those middle school days 
just worshiping the music that they made you know just it was everything that I, I still till this day strive to make you know so definitely an amazing thing that like, you know it was so unfortunate that Coley passed away mm-hmm. um, who was like the main guy out of all three of them he was he was kind of the visionary of the three mm. you know so he with got, their sound because their sound was so distinct he was the he was the visionary he was the yeah behind the sound behind RDB TV behind all of it he was he was the leader of the pack and so it was it was really unfortunate when he passed away because. I know, in, the, in like the I, worst I, way. In the yeah, I, I, he had. Was it an aneurysm? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, he, I don't want to say exactly what it was because I'm not 100 percent sure exactly what it was, but um, and I don't want to spread you know misinformation, but yeah, it did have to do with uh, his brain, and I, I believe he had some sort of a tumor. Um, uh-huh. um, but yeah, it sucked. Um, yeah, then, I know. Then, I remember. And that. then unfortunately, Manj and Surge parted ways. Um, Manj was. He was fronting all of their tracks. He was singing everything. I did get to perform with them when they were still... When Cully started getting <laughs> sick, we, we did a couple gigs together. Um, did some live shows. Um, I got a shout out to Dole Nation because Jess Toure and the, the Toure's, the, entire, the sibling crew, they brought me into that entire world. They introduced me to RDB. They, they, you know, they, they the, asked me... Three to, siblings... All badass toll players. They yeah. run that shit. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. And I met them when I was like twelve. I met Jess, and I was, Jess was part of this crew of dole players called Lethal Dolbies, you know. Yeah. Based in like the Bay, led by Mitch Hire. They had some people in the UK, and then I saw this, you know, crazy sick dole player in LA one day, and I was like, "Yo, your dole looks crazy, and it sounds nuts, and you're you're really good, you know." And and he was like, I don't know if he exactly said this, but something effective, like, yeah, I'm a Lethal Dolly. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? That's Yo, I'm, I'm a Lethal Dolly. <laughs> you know? And uh, was that Mitch? Uh, Jess. That was Jess. Oh, that's Jess. Okay, gotcha. That was Jess. Gotcha. And I think that I had already met Mitch by this time. Um, Mitch was my idol. He was another reason I, I am so into just, you know. What a fucking performer, man. I literally, literally... A couple of weeks ago, with uh, with my boy Chris, another creative partner of mine, Christian Aja, yeah, Christian Aja, um, very talented, just designer Absolutely. and across Absolutely. the board creative. Um, He's in Japan right now. Otherwise, he out of all, come here. out of all things, oh, this creator, right, creative right, person's yeah. in Tokyo. He's in Tokyo, yeah, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> um, but we literally like two weeks ago fell into like a twenty minute just. YouTube video Mitch hire session like this guy is amazing to just watch and anyways performer and just amazing amazing yeah but met the Toure's and um he's they, performed at the Oscars it yeah was sick. yeah but the Toure's I just had to I just had to shout out to them because they introduced me to a lot of dope artists including RDB and that's when I you know I met RDB because of them and then um, we did some live shows together, which is where I was able to bring some of my music to the table and show man some of my music and surgery some of my some of my music, and um, they always thought it was really dope. And, um, and unfortunately, like I said, they split. Um, but I, I know I, I had heard that Serge was coming out with the his debut kind of single uh, as Serge RDB as a solo kind of artist carrying on the name of RDB, and it was going to be called Sardar. And uh, I, I just sent Serge a bunch of my, you know, latest music. And I was like, hey, man, this is the stuff I've been doing. You feeling it? And he was feeling it. And I was like, maybe I can do like a co, 
you know, like a, a co, you know, I guess what, how do you call it? like a remix, you know, and release it along with your debut track, you know, like, you know, it was, it's really popular, you know, especially like with house music and music in general, right? You release a single and then immediately you release like another three, four sing- uh, remixes of it, right? To um, keep it popping. Just keep it popping, keep different people pleased or whatever, get it played in the club, get it played in the car, get it played, you know, whatever version of the song you want, um, which is kind of crazy. It's it's probably contributing to the saturation of music in general. Um, but I was like, you know, let me, you know, try to do a remix of the track. And, and he had a vision of what the remix would be. I had a vision of it. We were feeling it together at first. And then, you know, ultimately, you know, a lot of time had passed. He dropped the original and we couldn't agree on like what we both wanted the remix to be. So we kind of just like canned it. But... I always loved it. It was, he was asking me to go kind of crazy with it. So I think I tend to go really crazy and progressive and futuristic with my stuff. Sometimes I like to experiment a lot and just kind of, you know, push the limit and cross genres and whatnot. And I think I was doing it too much. I think he was not, you know, the track was, I was, I was losing the track's essence, even though he did want a club version that was crazy. I was like, well, I'm giving you a club version that's crazy, and it's really good, but in hindsight, it wasn't what he wanted, so it was all good. But about a year or two passes, about a year, year and a half passes, and I think it's been like a year and a half, about a year and a half passes, and um, I just like kind of hit him up again. I was like, Sergio, I was listening to this track, this is our remix I did for you, and uh, it still sounds pretty dope. What do you think? And you know, by that time, time had passed, and he was like, yeah, it actually does sound pretty dope. Let's do something with it. He's like, I need something out there. Right, <laughs> yeah, I need another track. Let's like, do something with half, it. Can I get yeah. something? Can I get a track out again? You know, so anyways, I, I worked on it a bit, and I was like, uh, feeling it, not feeling it. I just wasn't sure. Um, but then, you know, my friend, uh, he brought up an idea, and was like, hey, why, you know, would be a perfect time to release it? This was like mid-year when I was working on it again. He was like, Vasaki would be a really cool time to release Sardar, but Vasaki already kind of passed, and it was like the summer. Vasaki is a huge, you know, kind of just a Punjabi and Sikh holiday, and the track is called Sardar, and, and I was like, yeah, you know, that, that is a really good idea, so maybe I'll wait, you know, like seven months, eight months, and, and until Vasaki comes around again, and we'll release it then. It feels like a good calendar beat to Big release time. it, you know? I'm a marketer, so I'm always like, what can we what, what can we align this piece of art mm-hmm. with, you know, to make sense? Right. Um, so Vasaki seemed like it made sense, and I went through a creative funk at the end of last year. I wasn't really creating much, and a lot of the shit was weird in my life. Yuvi and I talked a lot about it, you know, like um, just different energies were weird in my life with with like friends, some couple of friends, couple of important friends that I do a lot of creative work with, and. And just in general, so but but you know, Vasaki eventually did roll around, yeah. And I got myself my shit together a little bit too late, you know. But I did, and I hit up Serge. I was like, "Listen, here's the idea for Vasaki, blah blah blah," and he was totally feeling it. Uh, and um, you know, now Vasaki's passed, and the track is done. Vasaki happened last weekend, but the, the really interesting interesting thing happened though, which was this, and and I wanted to kind of I was thinking about this too all day today a bit and like wanted to bring this to the table when I talked to you guys which was like purpose or not purpose it was like what what drives me and what drives 
people right. maybe uh, to do art or other people who are looking for motivation to like you know a lot of people a lot of artists out there look for like motivation to get motivated to Big do time. art right like what's my I'm losing motivation you know whatever and for me um, I found that when I started assigning like some sense of purpose to my art it made me want to do it so much more like when I was last year when I was like should I release it to the R again, you know, as a remix, even though, you know, Surge is down, let's do it all, you know, but I was like, why, you know, I don't know, I just wasn't quite feeling it. And then when I discovered the whole Vasaki alignment, it, it totally drove me to want to just finish it. I was like, yeah, this is actually, I want to say something about, you know, the song is called Sardar, I'm not a Sardar technically, I don't have my hair, I don't keep my hair like that, but I still find the culture very important to me. I have something, I want to represent, you know, Punjabis, um, and say something kind of new and interesting about Punjabis in this day and age in LA, you know. And and I had something to say. It was it was a purpose that really drove me to finish a new version of the track that um, that I I love now, you know. And and that's the that's the newest record that I got is is the new version of Sardar that it looks and feels completely different from the original. I had purpose driving me to finish this thing to the point that. I had a finished version of it, the Eve of Vasaki, and I was like, even though Vasaki drove me to finish it, it got me to finish it um, to a version that I felt so confident in that I felt like I didn't need Vasaki to be the beat that it came out on anymore. Right. Like now, I right. love the song in and of itself, independent of any marketing beat or calendar beat, you know, like. But without that motivation, it would have come out differently, obviously. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't have done it. Like, I found a purpose in it, and I think that purpose is still valid. I still want to say something for Punjabis in L.A. and, and uh, you know, a Punjabi in 2018 that maybe doesn't have his hair and that can still relate to all the amazing values that Serge sings about in Sardar, you know? Like, um, and, I, and I want to put that out Did there. Did you ever have your way. hair? Uh, I did for I think a, a couple about two years when I was a baby and that okay. was about it. Yeah, then my parents cut it. Yeah, because um, uh, they wanted me to uh, just fit in, fit, fit in into society. Yeah. yeah well, okay. Man. What What would you like when you think of your artistry? Like, what would you What do you want to do? What would be your just ultimate fucking moment? I think that if I could be in a place where I'm working with artists that uh, I can create with and, and share music uh, via a platform that reaches a lot of people for my music and my art to have a chance to be heard or seen and felt, um, that would be amazing for me. That, that would be a dream because I feel like I have something to say and I feel like um, more than having something to say, I have feelings that I'd like to express that I think that a lot of people would resonate with and when i say feelings i don't mean like um feelings that i want to communicate via words but just like via a chord via a groove via a piece of art via all of that together um i, I feel like you know it's a very sensitive and emotional kind of piece of this world that we live in that not everyone's able to tap into and discover and then share with somebody I, I think that, you know, I, I'm able to find those emotions and feelings and, um, and, and, and communicate them via music and art. And, and I'd love for people to um, have the chance to connect with 
that you know i mean that's like it's a very salesy thing to say you know? but to be raw and honest like i don't know like so i've i've talked to myself a lot over the years about like art and um like i i have a lot of dialogue with god right like myself and god and like um sometimes i think about like it's such a privilege to be able to just do art and get paid for it and but like it also feels a little what's the word like um but you said you had the just this ability you were blessed with this ability it feels too good though like what do you mean like like why should i be able to just make music and and connect with people like it feels very um almost like uh elitist where i'm like oh, I want to be able to share my feelings and express and have people connect. It's like, well, fuck you, dude. Like, what makes you think that you should be able to do that? I don't know, because I also feel like that's what I've always been good at. That's what God gave me to do. That's you know? the I'm thing. not great at doing your numbers. I can't file your taxes, but what I can't... What <laughs> you I, could, but it'd be all fucked it'd up. It'd be fucked. You wouldn't get... You would owe. You would owe money. <laughs> yeah. you know? I owed for Or you get money back knowing you owed yeah, and you get fucked again. But like, that's, that's... I feel like what kind of God gave me as a gift to be able to kind of, you know, Music do. And that's what it is. You know, I was talking... I uh, I don't know if you guys saw the documentary. I watched it too. It was really good. It's called The uh, Zen Diaries of Gary Shanley. Mm. I haven't, but it's I've been seeing clips. Phenomenal. Gary Shanley's a badass comedic writer mm-hmm. uh, stand up mm-hmm. he did a Larry Legendary. Sanders show and it like he, he's he's solid Apatow before Apatow mm. yeah he was Apatow's mentor for like 25 years yeah wow um, but he said something in the car when he was in Comedians in Cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld and he said all all art is just an expression of your soul that's mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. everything else audience people hearing it and feeling it all that's hoopla if they do great if they don't it doesn't matter yeah so At, in its essence it's simply the expression of yourself. You're absolutely That's right. It. So it's like to have the, you know, like why to feel that you should be able to just express your soul as like a living. It just feels like oh, so who are you to feel like you can just you know do what? that? You know, like you know what, what, you so? really, what are you really contributing no, to society really by doing that? Right? Because that's society, right? We live in a society where you need money and you function and we have right. roles that we play that we put into that don't really actually exist from a life standpoint. Sure, right, right. And like, do you know Patrice O'Neill? He's a, he was a huge comedian. No. But he passed away a while ago. But he had something. He was, I was really funny until I started doing comedy. Uh, He's yeah. like, I was hilarious until right. I started doing comedy. And right. I felt like that many times. I feel like I'm really funny in real life. And when I ask to perform, I can be, but sometimes I'm just not feeling it because yeah. I'm being forced to do something in a moment I don't want to be. Right. Funny. Oh, absolutely. I'm not funny all the time. Yeah. I know I can be. That's definitely a Utah. That's my gift. That's his gift. Right. Like comedy, like I can do it quick. Totally, totally. But, but do you know, guys ever feel that like these are your gifts, right? Like you guys are funny. Fuck you guys yeah. are good writers. You guys are good actors. Like, but, um, what the feeling of like <laughs> wanting to be able to do that as a sustainability in life, like, and feeling like, you know, that I should be able to f- do this. It, does it feel ever like, um, selfish to you? Fuck no, because you're robbing people of joy. You putting out your music. When I fucking hear your music, I'm a fellow artist. Right. You know how excited I get. And that makes me feel like I'm doing something worth fucking while yeah. and not just something selfish. Yeah, where, where's, where's your guilt coming in? Um, may, uh, the guilt maybe is, is coming from like a sense of like, I want it because it makes me feel good and make it, it fulfills this like, you know, uh, this ideal of my myself of like as an artist 
as a musician. It fulfills what I've always seen myself to be, but am I actually bringing anything to anyone else's table? That's why when like UV is like, yeah, no, it, that shit really made me feel dope. I was, you know, you know, really vibing with the track and it made me feel this way and that way. Then it's like, okay, cool. It's not just, you know, me trying to make a living of music or me trying to become quote unquote. I don't feel you feel very connected when it becomes about the living more than the Or you're like becoming big. Yeah. Right? Like you you asked me earlier, I think one of you guys have you know, the platform. You know, when I started talking about like, oh, I'd love to work with artists in a way that if I had a platform um, for many people, people to hear. Yeah, like yeah. like that feels very like, you know, conquest oriented. You want you that know? to happen, but you want you would hope for it to happen naturally, not just from a pure market. I would hope that yeah, that would happen and then it would also then whatever whatever I was sharing actually made a positive effect on people. But it just like all feels very proclamative, like I'm gonna do this and wait till you hear it, you're gonna feel great. You know, it's like you know what, man? I, the, okay, so there's a comedian I like. I'm just really like. dissecting it now because I don't want to. I don't want to come off like fucking typical or just like oh, my music. My and, music. No, I feel you, know, you dude, but what, I'd like it, a plat. Like no, like I. I would feel lucky as hell if I had, you know, a hundred people listening to any track. You know, like and, and it, you know, made them feel a certain way, good or bad, whatever. Like, but that's why you do it, right? You see how it affected me. This is one fucking person. I'm like, wow, I want to hear more of that. That's what it is. It's sharing your artistic gift at whatever level. And then if more people happen to like it, fuck, you have to get a bigger stadium or an arena or right, right. you have to, you know, be able to <laughs> fulfill that end of it. The, right. the demand is there. Totally. So it's not about I need to fill a fucking stadium immediately. <laughs> if, you go, if you go after it that way, you'll be you'll be lost. Right. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. like anyone else, like it's like the art actors that you know they don't want to be actors; they want to be famous. No, totally. And you yeah. lose it. You see in the artist, but you see in their essence, even if they're good. Right. You're like, and that's the motivation is wrong. Yeah. You're not here. Right. Yeah. You're thinking about where you want to be. Yeah. You're exactly. Not you're not. You're not me. here. And you're not, not inter interacting with. Totally. And I, that's so important for me to for like everything, every step I take with all of my art has to for me feel so authentic to just me. And this is just I'm not putting on for anything because the 100%. second you're putting on, then it's just like. I, I feel dumb even doing art, you know? Like, you feel like a fucking fraud. Like, you're just like, Ugh. Even marketing yeah. my own art feels yeah. off sometimes. I mean, that's I'm what like, happens once you get into the sh business part of it. Right. right. And that's here you are. Here, we, we booked you for this gig. We booked you for this. Or right. th this is where you're performing. Or this is where you're... So whatever it may be. Right? right. You have an interview, this and that. And you have to do it. Yeah, totally. And regardless of how you may be. And as it. a smaller artist, you know, I'm a smaller artist, obviously. You know, in on the other end of it, I'm marketing these massive movies that are made, you know, literally I'm, I'm marketing Avengers Infinity War, one of the biggest It's going to make movies. like a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's, the one, it's like the biggest movie in the history of cinema and it feels, for me, I'm not, I'm, I didn't make the movie, so for me, it feels perfectly natural to market the shit out of it, right? But like, to market the shit out of a track that I'm doing that, you know, I have like fucking, you know, I don't have fans, you know? Like people aren't like waiting you for do, my music. You do, but you don't. Yeah, UV, I have a UV as a fan. No. <laughs> and it's not even like, oh, I'm the fucking fan, one lone <laughs> fan. You have a shit, dude, people all over, you have this draw to you. And you see it when you go out. Like I remember in, in college, and not even just to be like, oh, he was a college guy. <laughs> but you know. In college, you were a big deal, bro. See, like, no, 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 no. In college, <laughs> everyone, you know, was fucking on your nuts. And even till now. If someone says like, "Oh, Sean asked me to come, so I'm gonna come," you have that cool factor. 
<laughs> you do. You have mad fucking draw. So use that. Right, right. No doubt, no doubt. And I, and I, I, I want to keep it authentic though to the art. You know, I, I don't want to like, you. like there was I, in the earlier days. I was like, you know, if I have a track, you know, I should create some short form content out of that track and create some artwork and you know build some buzz. You know, and then you know for a couple of weeks, then you release. That's a very just standard fucking marketing way of thinking about stuff, right? But then that for me, it started becoming like, why am I teasing any of this shit? Like do the piece of art like i talked to my my boy chris about this do the art because you want to do the art don't do the art and then tease the fucking art then you're you know it's like it's but you don't need to really uh like make it a mental thing about being authentic your emotional set point will let you know i'm too because i'm in just, tune with it though i i, I can't yeah, not no, criticize myself that, that's like, what i'm saying but the shut out your emotions because like the moment when you are being authentic and in your truth it's gonna feel good Right, you right. Feel no, it, fun. And it does. You feel light. Yeah, that's that's when all I, you have to look at. Your emotions will tell it for your mind. Will go all a million places. It doesn't even exist. Right? Totally, totally. But at the moment you start feeling like you're not being your true self, you know it doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. good. It's like when you stay in a relationship with a girl you're not meant to be. It doesn't feel good. You don't want to hang out. You don't. You don't feel that right. feeling. It's yeah. not right. Yeah, yeah. So. If you're feeling good while you're making the music, you're being authentic. There's no point of it being analytical. Right, right. Yeah. There is a fine line like between going with your your instinct on that, but also going, okay, if I work through this track, could I fine tune it more? Or right. is it ready? Yeah. Because there there is that. There, there is, is fine tuning versus just going, I feel it's finished. Yeah. You know? And you'll have the feeling like like the you know, the track with Surge, you know, I feel it's finished now. Right. I'm gonna I could continue to just make it incrementally better forever you know making it endless yeah exactly but i now i have that feeling of (laughs) of finish right like if if like any any version from here on out that's released i'd be good with because i'm like you know i i felt like i reached a point that i'm satisfied with you know and um and that that feels nice you know just to to get to that point where you're like i'm good with this i like it you know that's a good place to just be in general feel good with it yeah like i feel good because you trust your abilities and You've worked in the fucking business and polishing your craft for so long that you're allowed to feel that. Yeah. Also, another so. thing recently I did was uh, I've been performing with Sukhbir for a long time. Sukhbir is like, a really big uh, Punjabi artist. Every anyone who's Indian has heard his music. Yeah, right. I mean, he's he's literally still singing his hits. I know. From the, like from like. What, like early 2000s? I get jealous of musicians sometimes because you're like, anywhere you go, people want to hear the same the, stuff. Yeah. And you can make a living. <laughs> a comedian says, repeats a joke, or is like, boo, I don't want that shit. I've heard it before. I mean, Seinfeld kills it. And he does, does he do the same sort of <laughs> old material? Sh- yeah, he'd be old like, stuff. all right, I'm rolling with old shit. That's I'm funny. I'm earn that. Yeah. Um, no, but it felt good, though, to, like, I think going back to what I was saying earlier, earlier on about realizing that you still have it you know like i felt like with sukbir this this past performance that i did with him like i felt like oh shit i still have it with the dole you know and like that made me feel great it made me feel like myself it made me feel like a musician not just you know i'm so weird i feel like i'm just in this mid music life crisis right now but it's cool because i have things happening like i you know like You're self-checking self- yourself i guess i'm just self-checking you know self-checking like, that's that's humble and that's not you're not being self-righteous if you were thinking the opposite like 
I'm the sh- the fucking best, right? Like, for I'm being hundred percent real because like when I was that eighth grader, ninth grader, like you asked, like I did feel like no, I am the kind of like in my peers, the group, every the whole scene, like I felt like I was the fucking naturally the best, like I was killing it with everything, you know. And I don't feel like that by any means anymore. That's good. I though. feel lucky that's when good. I do something that's like that night when I performed it was a like, beer last couple weeks ago in Tennessee. Like I remember being on stage halfway through the performance, feeling like, damn, like. This is so gratifying to know I'm still good. Like I, because I felt good. I felt like, like what I was playing was dope. I, I, I literally I was playing on anything all day. I was I did everything I could possibly do that weekend to make sure I had a good performance. Like everything from like just ritual to practicing on. You know, you saw my chair dull practicing the. Tons of coffee beforehand. Like, <laughs> literally, I'm going to get into my crazy fitness, you know, like, just amping myself up, making sure I was, you know, regular, make sure I was going to the restroom enough to be empty before being on stage. Because the worst thing to do, I think, for me, to, to deliver an insane performance is to, you know, holding in, your holding in a bunch of, like, pee and your lunch, you know, like on stage with you. Especially so, with all that coffee. You know, I just, you know, everything I could possibly do to make sure that I'm performing like I was performing with Zach Beer when I was 16 because I performed with him at 16 too. Um, and, and I fucking midway through the show, I remember thinking to myself like, man, I'm, I'm fucking killing it, you know, for myself, you know, like, yeah, yeah like, you know, I'm killing it to me. I'm like, you're, you're doing fucking awesome. Like, look at these roles you're pulling out of the dole right now. Like, you got Jess Toure who's like, literally the best dole player in the US right now and my boy, my brother on my right and I'm like hanging with him, I'm performing with him and this is like what we used to do 10, 15 years ago and it felt amazing to do that and then Surge, you know, to, to love this new mix and then Sugbeer to, you know, we're working on some music too that he's super feeling. Um, these are the things that like just keep me validated like, you know, and it's just this interesting stage in life right now where if, you know, if you're an artist and, and you had to, you know, choose another job that, you know, wasn't your, your artist, your art, you know, to keep a sustaining life um, and you feel like you're losing it, it, it just, it feels so amazing to do something that makes you feel like you still have it. It's important because that attitude keeps you sharp and makes you still put in the work in order to keep that feeling keeps you humble too keeps you humble and you you have at the end of the day to be that good you got to put in time and work and effort and that that feeling you have with this validation keeps you in check Mm -hmm. so it's important it's not just like oh i'm feeling insecure no no that you have to put in work to overcome that insecurity it's nice you earn that fucking feeling of greatness Mm -hmm. um any last thing you want to say your feeling doesn't have to be like some fucking profound statement. But. You know, you asked me like now it's got <laughs> the last thing I say has to be profound. Could have just been like oh, those great. ice cubes. Those you said those ice cubes are really nice. Those. No, I think you know. I think a common thread. We hopped around like fucking crazy in this session. I feel like we just went. From well, that's the point. You just talking. You just, just talking. Wherever like, it goes. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I think the common thread of it all was was that like. You got to do what makes you feel is all the common threads and the, the wrap up lines are always so cliche, but they're true. You have to do what makes you feel like you. Yes. And, and any, no matter what it is, and if it's like, you know, shielding 
you know, yourself a bit because you feel like you're too much, you know, around, you know, certain people, whatever, like, don't do that. Like, just be you and that'll be enough. Like, that'll, that'll be the right amount. Anything less or more than absolutely you. Right. Isn't is is that's not what you should be doing? I think that'll throw you off, and I was throwing me off for a long time too, because I, I, for a long time, I was doing, I was trying to like maybe uh, moderate myself, you know, around certain people, certain crowds. I was moderating myself, and and that fucked me up. And now, if I can just be myself, it's liberating, as you guys know, you know. Just, it is. And even if you feel like it might be too much, it's not, because as long as you're just being you and nothing more, even if you is a lot. It'll be received authentically. It's key. And you, you've always been a big supporter of me just being me. Sure. And I love that about you and you empower me. Absolutely. You, 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 you to me are like what artists have around them a lot. People who just, it can get indulgent to the point where people have, artists <laughs> around themselves are people that just like yes, pump man. them up. Yes, yes man. man yeah. yeah. But it's also important to have, you I'm know, not a fucking yes you're man. You're not a yes man. Yeah. You're not a yes man. No. You are real to me, but you do make me feel like who I am, you know, like, and, and it's important to be reassured as an artist and you reassure me because right I think on. you you definitely connect with the fact that being an artist is vulnerable because Absolutely. you're sharing, you know, some of your inner feelings. It's only things. good if it is. Yeah, exactly, it's dude. Right. It's only good if it's vulnerable. And, and I feel vulnerable, and but you support that, you know. You Absolutely. encourage me to be vulnerable. Absolutely. And, and I think, and I love that about you. You know, you you literally encourage me like like that. In my last performance, I, I don't even share a whole lot on my Insta because everything is so like I'm so minimal about everything in my life that I don't like to share a whole lot. You know? Right. Like, right. It, and also, it's also a bit of just like fear of like um, if I am I sharing? I don't know. Without going into that, it was just you encouraged me to share more. You know, like. I think I shared like some cryptic image while I was out there. You're like, dude, I want to know what's going on during your performance. Right. Like, I'm interested. You're performing out there with this artist. Show me some shit. Like, I'm not there. I want to. I want to see. And right. I was like, so I genuine. Mean, that's the point of that platform. That's right? the point of it. And but you utilize it. There's so much in it though that you like want to avoid. You know, all the vanity, all the just bloated of your people's own personas and and putting on. There's so much of that that I think I'm trying to steer clear of and I've steered clear of it so much so that I don't even really share a lot. Yeah. But, but I think like you encouraged me that weekend to be authentic and you you introduced this authentic like need to me as well. Like, hey, look, you know, my friend in Cali right now on the other side of the country is genuinely interested in seeing you know, me at this gig. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I, you know, because you were so elusive to a point you'd be like, I'm doing all these great things, but it'd be like a fucking picture of your shoes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a great gig, man. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you encourage me, man. I'd say, you know, my last words are just be you and encourage others to be vulnerable and, and, and be themselves and, and just be, you know, our, our weird, vulnerable selves. Absolutely. Cool. Well said. On that note, guys, we're going to post all these links and stuff to where you can listen to his music and just connect with him as you should. Fellow artist and just interesting person. So, peace. Yes, sir. All right. How long was that?